worship awesome this morning? Whoo, I love it. I love me some worship. I love me some worship. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, Luke, John, Acts. <laughs> Just pick up the whole word, really, truly. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 because that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to share with you a little bit in the New American Standard Version. Um, Raul, do you want, do you want, can we get, Irma, can I, I'm going to, I need you. I need you, Sister Irma. Sister Irma speaks Spanish and Raul would like to have interpretation, so we've got the opportunity to do that. Irma, if you could get him hooked up. Bless you, Raul. Bless you. Okay, um, did I say Ephesians chapter 2? We're going, to start, we're going to start with a few other scriptures, but I want to talk with you a little bit about three chairs. How many remembers the three chairs from last Sunday? <laughs> Anybody remember what this chair was last Sunday? Conflict, conflict. I'm going to move them a little closer because I'm going to be moving in and out of them chairs. Uh, what about this chair here? Anybody remember what this was? Compromise. We come into agreement with what God's wanting to do in our life. How about this one here? Committed, so we've we've come into being committed, <laughs> and I think it was like commit Ted. If you <laughs> anybody remember seeing the sign, it was like commit Ted. Shelly was like commit Ted, commit Ted, commit Ted. Oh, commit Ted. So if you're Ted today, we bless you. So we want to we want to come to this place. This is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun because there's a lot of different things that's going on, and Shelly might have some input today. I want to get into the New American Standard Version. That's what I, that's what I, um, I preach out of. But I also want to share out of the Message Bible. Anybody ever read the Message Bible? It's a, it's a paraphrased Bible. It's, a, it's good. It kind of puts it down in, in Eng, modern English that I can understand it. It's pretty cool. And um, I, I just enjoy that. But uh, let's just pray before we go to the Lord. Father, we come to you today for wisdom and revelation. I'm asking you to help us bring understanding. And as we get understanding, we're able to walk that out. We do love you. I need you to speak through my mind, my voice, my body, my entire being. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So we talked about the number three. Say number three. And the number three was about a trinity. was about the triune, the father, son, and the... Holy Spirit. We looked at number three and the number three within the Bible. And, you know, Jesus went out on the transfiguration, amount of transfiguration. And, and Elijah and Moses and Jesus were there. And Peter said, uh, why don't we build three tabernacles? Jonah spent three days and three nights in the heart of a big fish. In the, we call it the belly of the whale. Uh, Jesus himself said, I'm going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And after three days, I'm going to be raised again. And he's going to tear down the temple and he's going to rebuild it in three days. So we kind of went back over the three on that. So uh, as I began to start thinking about the, the different positions that sometimes that we run into and that we look at, I wanted to share with you again, not only uh, we're not going to go back to... to to what we went into last week, but I, I want to I look at this word. This word sinner. Say sinner. And we're going to look at some biblical things about the word sinner because we our understanding of what a sinner is and biblical understanding may be a little bit different. Okay? 
So let's take a look at that. I'm going to pull up some scriptures. If you, you, you probably won't be able to stay with me, but if you can, we're going to go to Luke chapter 7. So if you've turned to Ephesians, keep your finger right in there. And I want to look at verses 36 through 39. So it says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. This was a place where a Pharisee had come up to Jesus. Him is Jesus. He said, look, I want you to come and I want you to come to my house. I want you to dine with me. And he entered the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city and it says she was a sinner. Say that with me. Come on. She was a, she was a sinner. So she must have been identified as a sinner. How many of you know we can put labels on people? We can put labels on people depending on what they do or how they act or those different things. We can say this person is this or that person is that or they're in this business or they're in that business and we put labels on people. And sometimes we can put labels on people if they're good label or a bad label. And sometimes we don't do it meaning any harm to anybody, but we can identify them as this kind of person. I would probably be be identified as not a creative person. I'm not really creative. I draw stick men. You know what I mean? I've seen some other people, you know, Sean, I'm watching him do some stuff, and I'm like, whoa. You know, and some of you might know those creative type people, but mine's a little stick guy and a little stick man, a little stick woman, a little stick children, a little stick and a little road, you know, and some people are just, they brush it all out, and it's like, wow, it's like a picture. You know, I know some of you are creative in that way. I'm, I'm just... I'm just not gifted in that area. That's okay, because that's why we got you guys, amen? Because you guys are more creative. But he said this woman was a sinner. So obviously this Pharisee, now being a Pharisee, they didn't know Christ. So now we can look at it, and sometimes we may be religious, but we may not know Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. There are religious people or people that are... Could even You could look at it nowadays and say they're in the pharisaical system like they were back then. They're going through the motions. They're doing these things, but they don't have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. That's where I want to go. They didn't have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. So this Pharisee, who nowadays we would say that Pharisee is a sinner because he doesn't know Christ, this same Pharisee was turning around and, and, and seeing this woman that was coming into Jesus, and he would labeled her as a sinner. As a sinner, you can go ahead and advance the next scripture. And it says that, um, it says when the Pharisee who had invited him, he saw this, the Pharisee saw this happen, and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is and who's touching him. Oh, because she's got cooties. <laughs> because she's a sinner. So how many of you know it didn't bother Jesus? It's amazing how sometimes... mm, Help me, Lord. It's amazing how sometimes if people don't agree with where you are or how you are or anything like that, they will distance themselves from you and almost label you and put you as a sinner, put you as something less than what they are. But Jesus wasn't worried about that. It didn't bother Jesus. In fact, we, we know, as if you re- and you read the Bible, that you're going to find out that this was, was Mary that had anointed Jesus' feet. And he had cast out demons in her. And she was very thankful for who he was. So 
we see this label as a sinner. So if I'm looking at this first chair, I'm thinking about a sinner. Somebody that doesn't know Christ. Say, somebody that doesn't know Christ. We can label them as a, as a sinner. How many of you know that Jesus was called a sinner? Did you know that? The Pharisees not only called this woman a sinner, but in John, I think it's chapter 9, they also called Jesus a sinner. I guess I was called a sinner before I came to Christ. Hello? So I might be in that position of that first chair. So I want to I look at the word sinner, and I don't know if I gave that to you up there or not, but sinner, sinner just literally means sinful or a sinner. Now when you look at something, when you, I'm going to challenge you, when you go into the Greek and you go to start looking up a word, sometimes you'll go into the Greek, you'll look up a word, and that word like this one right here, the first one, well says it's from 264. So I went back to 264 and looked at what that is. Is that okay? So it means to properly to what? Miss the mark. And so not to share in the prize. The definition of the word sinner, which was used in that Pharisee's speech or, or com- conversation that he was having, was this word, literally to miss the mark or not share in the prize. Figuratively to err. Anybody ever erred? <laughs> we all should have our hands up on that because we've erred. And the Bible says especially morally to sin. Now, because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden brought us into a relationship where we were actually born a sinner. Hello? That sin nature was in us from the beginning. But let me go back before that. Because I believe that I was a spirit in the throne room of God. Then when I came to earth and was put into an earth suit... I had somebody that just did not like my terminology of an earth suit. They were like, kind of like aliens. But this earth suit, because it said flesh and blood is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Are you with me? This flesh and blood is not going to be going to heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. So as I, as I move from being a sinner and understanding that I missed the mark, understanding that I may have erred morally, that this was how it was because of what took place in the Garden of Eden. This is what I was. This is pre-Christ. I was, I was a sinner. In fact, when Christ was on the earth and was walking on the earth, the Pharisees called him a sinner. The Pharisees called this girl a sinner. Mary was a sinner. So what happens from this chair to that chair? So what happens is we may be labeled a sinner. We may have missed the mark. So what I'm saying is our understanding of what a sinner is, when you become born again, should change. Let me say that again. My understanding of what a sinner is, when I become born again, that view changes. Okay? So, it brings me... Not sure what other scriptures have I got. Have I got any other scriptures there? I was going to try to give you a few scriptures there. Yeah, Luke 15, 10. It says, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. 
Who? One sinner who what? Who does repents. You can go back to where you were. One sinner who repents. One sinner who repents. I don't want to go into the Greek word, but I would encourage you to look up the word repent. Repent is more than just going in a different direction. Because how many of you know, I, I can have a thought and act upon that thought, and I can go in a different direction away from that and run into it here. I'm going to turn away from this, and I'm going to go in this direction, and oop, there it is. I'm going to turn away from that and go in this direction, and there it is. The Bible in the, in, in the Greek, it literally means a changing of your mind. How you think on it. How you believe it. So if I'll use, I'll use um, uh, illegal drugs, they're illegal. And no matter how I think on it, they're still illegal. Are you with me? So if I'm caught up in illegal drugs and I turn and go into a different direction, guess what may be in that direction? Those illegal drugs. And I'll run into them again and again and again. So if we understand the concept of repenting, it's to think on. That's an illegal drug. That could kill me. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that. Are you with me? So that way, if I, if I change the way I feel and believe, not just the way I feel, but the way I believe on something, on that, then when I run into it again, my belief system, like Virginia's been teaching us, our belief system has changed to where that's not good for me. Hello? Y'all getting this? So if I don't change the way I think, then I'll get caught right back in it. It'll come right back on me. So if I repent, it's not just I'm never going to do that again because I've done that. I've said I'm never going to do that again, and guess what? Ran right into it and was doing it again. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. He's, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. Oh, man, what a, what a mess I am. Who can deliver me from this body of flesh? Who, I'm just a terrible guy. And we've all felt that way. So if I change my mind on how I think about something, then I can have victory. Oh, come on, somebody. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? So in the same way I tell you that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Say, one sinner who repents. Changes his mind and says, wait a minute. That's not who I'm going to be. That's not who I am. I need Jesus. That was my changing of my mind. I changed my mind from saying, I don't need Jesus, to I need Jesus. (laughs) I don't need what God has, to I need everything that God has. Come on, somebody. I had to change my mind in that, and when I changed my mind in that, my belief system began to come, and there it was, faith, and I was born again. Are you with me? All right. The next scripture, Romans 5, 8. It said, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm in this seat, and guess what happened? Christ died for me. So if I change my mind to say, You know what? 
When I became a Christian, when I became a believer in Christ, a follower of the way, whatever you want to call it, when I got an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I thought things would really change. And there were some things that changed. My spirit changed. But I didn't get any better looking. I didn't lose 10 pounds. I didn't grow my hair back. Do you see what I'm getting at? But something happened on the inside of me. So I moved from chair number one to chair number two. I got saved, what we call saved. The Bible calls saved, salvation. So I, why? Because Christ died for me. And I have to, in order to get to chair number two, I got to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I got to believe on Him. And that belief is deeper than just saying, I believe in Wayne. I believe Wayne's a good guy. It's having faith in. Because the Bible says that the devil believes in Jesus. I got news for you, he ain't saved. <laughs> I know that's a big thing we could probably put in a newspaper, but the devil is not saved. Okay? So it's more than just a head knowledge of knowing who he is, but a heart knowledge of knowing he's my Savior. I move from this to this. Do y'all get this? Do you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? If you don't agree with it, then let's go back to the Scripture. So let me give you a couple Scriptures real quick just to kind of reinforce that. In order to be saved, to, to be set free, John chapter 3, verse 17. And we know John 3, 16, don't we? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Well, so I think about things sometimes... I want to say deep, but don't I have everlasting life even if I'm not saved? Well, let me, let me put it this way. Don't I have eternal life when, uh, if I'm not saved? But my eternal life is not going to be with God. Do you see the difference? All I know is I want to spend eternity with Him. <laughs> I want to spend eternity in the light. How about you guys? I don't want to spend eternity in the dark. I don't want to be spending eternity separated from God. And that's the difference. So John 3.17, it says this. It says, for God did not what? Send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be what? Saved through Him. John 10.9. Let's look at John 10.9. It says, Jesus said, I, this is Jesus was speaking. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, they will be what? Saved. And he will what? Go out and in and find pasture. So if I'm here and I've got to get to Jesus in order to be saved, then I've got to go through Jesus to get saved. Do you agree with that scripture? So I can't go around it. I'm climbing into heaven, baby. (laughs) Right? I can't be climbing into heaven because the only way that I'm going to get there is through through Jesus, right? Praise. Let's give 
Let's give God praise for Jesus. Hallelujah. See, Jesus said, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So in order for me to get to the Father, in order for me to even enter into the kingdom of God, in order for me, you know, some of the stuff we talked about last week, is in order for me to be saved, it's got to be through Jesus. Say, say I'm saved. Acts 2, 21. It says that just a few people that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, I'm glad you read that. So it doesn't say just a few people. It says it shall be that everyone that what? Come on. Calls upon the name of who? The Lord shall be saved. The Lord being the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm like, okay. Wow. So I move from being a sinner into what? What we call being saved, don't we? We kind of get, get this terminology down and we be say where well, you become born again, you become saved, right? So you, you enter into a relationship with him. In Acts 16, 31, I don't have a scripture for that, but it says um, the jailer and his household was converted. And it, and it said, um, behold, I believe in the Lord Jesus. This is what the jailer said. I believe in the Lord Jesus. And he said, you will be saved, you and your household. Paul was talking to the jailer and they began to get, they got saved. It said, not only you will be saved, but your household. Ooh, how does that work? How does that work? My household has to come through Christ. Oh, come on somebody to be saved, but there's hope for your household. You got an aunt or uncle that's not saved. There's hope for you. Come on somebody. You got a brother or sister that's not saved, there's hope for you. You got a son or daughter that's not saved, there's hope for you. There's a mother and father that's, that, that's not saved, there's hope for you. I want to give you some words of encouragement because when my father was a week away from actually physically dying, he came to Christ. And I praise God for that. And I began to think about this scripture. I said, okay, Lord, you said in your word, that my household will be saved. Whether they are right now, whether you can understand it right now, they're on the way. Come on, somebody. Okay, now we go to Ephesians chapter 2, where I ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to have Angela read it, and then I want to I read the uh, Message Bible too. Angela? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Hold on right there. Now where would you say this, this that he's talking about is? Right here. This was us. This was me before. Go on and listen to the rest of this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ooh, ye doggies. <laughs> okay, 
This is what I used to be. He's saying that's what you formerly were. Not that's what you are now, but you formerly were this. But now I am this with Christ. And actually, I could put it this way. I was this down here. Because didn't you read some scripture that said we were seated with him? Oh, come on, somebody. Huh? Are you getting this picture? So now all of a sudden, I'm not just looking over. I'm seated from him in a different perspective. Go ahead. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I, it's not by my works that I moved from this chair to this chair. But you know, I work hard. I work a lot. I'll get up early in the morning and work, and I'll, I'll work late at night, and, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working. Well, you can, be, you can work day and night, night and day, day and night right here, but you won't get to there just by your works. Come on, somebody. Because of the goodness, because of the grace, the goodness of God, He sent His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life so that we could move from there to this if you agree say I agree if you don't just think about it a little bit more it'll come to you tonight you'll be waking up going I bingo I got it so I move from this to this and I'm in this position right so now I'm saved now I'm born again Woohoo! I am going to heaven baby but what about this earth? So my, my conversion, my decision was back when I was 20 years old. But I was seated with him then. I didn't know I was seated with him in heavenly places. I just knew something good had happened to me. Something happened to me. So you move from the place of being a sinner into being saved. You know that we've got some confusion sometimes and we're going to begin to start understanding this in a deeper measure. Did you know the word saint? Some people say, well, I become a saint. The word saint or saints, there are some religions that say you've got to do this, this, and this, and you become a saint. If you will look that word up, it literally means holy. Say holy. So if I become one in Christ, and Christ is holy, He is pure, guess what I am? Are you with me? Is this right? Am I not right? So a lot of times, some people say, well, you know, you're just a saint. And we think it means you're just a real good person. That isn't any, a biblical definition of saint at all. And, and some... There's, there's a religion that says if you perform a miracle and then after so many years, if that person is still healed, then you can be now put into sainthood. That is not in the Bible. 
So I come to the place where I've saved. I looked up the word saint, and it meant literally holy, and it was 61 times in the New Testament. Is that a lot? And then we begin to think, and this is where I've struggled, and I know some of you are there with us as we're moving into this, that I'm a servant. Say, I'm a servant. And we say, well, okay, now guess what? I moved from this sinner, and I'm up here seated with Christ, and now I'm a servant. But am I seated with him as a servant, or am I seated kind of down here as a servant? Do you want more tea? Do you want something else to eat? Is there anything else that I can get you? You need your yard mode? How about the house clean? What can I do for you? So my identity moved from a sinner to a servant. Did you know that servant is in the New Testament 49 times? New Testament? So I felt that I was to do everything that I needed to do because I was to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't disagree with that. But can we look at some scripture? Is it okay if we look at something? Because if I'm here, I'm saved. I've got a relationship with Christ. And some people will say you're a saint. Some people will say you're a servant. Is the servant as good as the master? Is the servant as good as the son? Let me ask you a question. I've got a house. My son comes into my house. He's got full reign in my house if he wants it. If a servant comes into my house, they don't have full reign in my house. So I want to move into chair number three. Is there a difference? The way we have a perception of it, sure there's a difference. There's a difference. Do you think that President Obama's daughter gets, daughters get special treatment than his servants do? Absolutely. I can guarantee you that he do. they do. We, have, we had worship one time, and Pastor Stephen George was here, and, and we were up in the front, and my son came by and came right up back when he was in high school came right up to us in the middle of worship. And he talked to me a moment. and Then he sat down and, or continued to worship. And later, Pastor, Pastor George said, that's your son, isn't it? And I said, yeah. How'd you know? He said, nobody else is going to come up and walk up in here like that and talk to you in the middle of worship like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have been a servant that was going to do it. It would have to be a son. Say son. So let's look at this third chair. As we begin to move into son, or what I would call sonship, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we all know the Beatitudes that Jesus was, was saying, you know, all these things that you can do. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. What are you called? Are you called a sinner? Are you called a servant, a saint? Or are you called a 
See, what happens is we look, how do we look at ourselves? If we look at ourselves here, then guess what we'll be? If I move from salvation, and I would probably put this all entwined, then I'm not just a, just a servant, I am a... Because a son has more rights and privileges than a servant has. Can I get an amen? That would be a real good place to put amen. amen. But the Bible talks about us being a servant. Absolutely. I'll get to that in just a minute. Romans chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, this is verses 14 through 20, these are the sons of God. For we've not received a spirit of slavery. If you look at that, it could be the spirit of servanthood. Leading again to fear, but we have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are servants of God. Martin's got it. Let's give Martin a hand. Yeah, baby. Hallelujah. Yeah, because we are not the servants of God. Now, listen to me. Sons do serve. Now, I'm not a servant of God. Well, you're just a servant of the Lord. And they're thinking, you're just, just a servant of the Lord. And I'm thinking, I serve him. Yes, I am. But I'm not just a servant. I'm a son. That's who I belong to. That's my daddy. <laughs> That's who I belong to. So let me go on. Verse 17, he says, And if children also, what? Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Let me ask you a question. There are times in the United States that a servant will receive an inheritance from the master. But the children, because of, because of blood, bought rights receive the inheritance who's your next of kin do you have a son do you have a daughter guess what they receive the inheritance well I'm sorry cousin Bob over there served him all his life and cousin Bob's coming in and he probably should get some of that inheritance <laughs> cousin Bob isn't getting that inheritance and it says right here because we're children of God, and if children were heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. He's talking about the death, burial, and the resurrection of suffering. He's not talking about because you did something stupid and you ended up in jail or you ended up with, come on somebody, that now you're suffering for the Lord. That's not the suffering that he's talking about. And these people were, they, he would, they were directing the apostles to what? There was something coming in the future that they were going to have to suffer just because they knew Jesus. Now, I don't know how many of us, us suffered just because we knew Jesus. We know Jesus. But there are times where you'll stand up and you'll say something because you have a relationship with God and people may try to put you down. They might try to make fun of you. There may be some type of suffering that begins to happen in that. Are you with me? Amen? Yeah. But that's a good thing as we walk through that because 
We're coming to a place where we understand that we are sons and daughters. And verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare it with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And I love verse 19. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing Who are you? You may be hidden, but now you're coming out. That's time for us to come out the closet. It's time for us. It's time for us to come out of the closet and say, wait a minute, no, 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 I got rights here. What do you mean you got rights? I got rights because I'm a son. Not just because I'm a servant, I'm a son, I am joint heirs with Jesus. And I've got rights, I've got authority, I've got dominion over the enemy. Come on, somebody. That no, you're not going to do this and you're not going to do that and these things are not good and we're going to advance the kingdom of God and there's going to be a transformed city, there's going to be a transformed state, there's going to be a transformed nation and it's only because we're waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God for the revealing to say, I'm a son. Now, I'm a son, but I am a son that serves the Lord Jesus Christ. It is He is my king. So whatever I do in word and deed, I do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever I do is because of my king, and that's who I'm serving because I'm a son. Hallelujah. Well, I can see there's some of you that are still a little skeptical. Romans 8, 19. It says, for even the whole creation, this is in the amplified version, all nature... Waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's Son to be made known. God's sons to be made known. And here's what it says it says, waiting for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Sonship. Say, I'm a son. I'm not discounting, I'm not belittling serving at all. But I'm a son that serves my Lord. Because if the enemy can keep you from knowing who you are, then he'll keep you operating in less than what you are. And all I know is that Christ died for me in the fullness. For me to be everything I possibly can be. There is nothing that Shelly and I want more than for you to come in to your, to your right place, your right understanding, your right uh, belief system to say, this is who I am. And when the enemy comes against you in one way, you're going to kick him out and he's going to have to leave in seven ways. Come on, somebody. But you can rise up and say, no, that's not, gonna, that's not how it's going to be. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. John 8, 35. Some versions say servant. John 8, 35 says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. (laughs) 
I can interchange that word slave with servant because it's the same thing. The servant doesn't remain in the house forever, but what's it say? Come on, everybody. The son does remain. No, no, just for a little while. No, no, just till I feel better. Even if I don't feel like a son, you're still a son. I don't feel much like a son today. doesn't matter. You're still a son. I can guarantee you Raymond Eilers is Sarah and Jeremy's son. Whether he feels like a son today, tomorrow or not, he's still the son. Can I get an amen? That is your son. That's your son. He's still going to be your son. He's going to be your son. No matter what he does, he's still your son. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not because he's good or bad that determines whether or not he's your son. It's what the DNA that has in you. And when I move from a sinner saved by God's grace, I come into salvation and I, and I say, okay, I am now saved, born again. I want to be able to move into that place where I come into sonship like Jesus was. Come on, somebody. That I move from being a child or a little baby to an infant to a toddler to a teenager to be a full-blown. There it is. The weos of God. Mature son of God. So there is a transformation that takes place. There is a renewing of your mind that takes place. And if you don't know who you are in him, you'll never get to that place where who, what you are to be. I've seen teams over and over again that lose, that lose, that lose. The first thing that coaches come in and instill in them that they're a champion. You're a champion. You're a champion. We were 1-13 in last week, last year. It doesn't matter. You're a champion. You're a champion. You're a champion. And guess what happens? Boom, boom, boom. You know why? Because they, they repent. They change their way of thinking and say, you're right. I am a champion. You're right. We are better. You're right. We can whoop this team over here. You're right. No matter what's going on, we can continue to press in. Hey, no matter what's taking place in the first quarter, there's still the second quarter. No matter what's going on in the second quarter, you still got halftime. You can make adjustments. You can come back out again, and you can begin to defeat the enemy that's coming against you in every single way because you are a champion. Woo, tell your neighbor, say, you're a champion. You know, you're a champion son. Amen? All right, here we go. Now check this out. It says, now in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Now Moses was faithful in all of his house as what? As a servant. You see that? He was faithful in all of his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which were spoken later, but Christ was faithful as a, over his house. Whose house are you in? Are we in the house of Moses? We're in the house of Christ. If we're in the house of Moses, then we are a servant. If we're operating in the house of Christ, which is, and this is, oh, this is good. This could be, Moses was the law. If you operate in the house of the law, then you will be a servant. But if you move into the house of Christ, come on somebody, then now you become a servant. Am I the only one that's getting this? I'm excited. I'm like, yeah. Do you remember earlier when I said, neighbor, if you knew who I was, you'd be glad to sit next to me? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a son. It says, if we hold fast for our confidence and, and, and boast for our hope, firm until the end. To the end of the age they were talking about there. To the end of your, relate, to your life here on earth. To the end of what? You just got to hold fast and hold firm because that's who you are. 
Tell your other, tell your other neighbor, say, I'm a son. Come on, tell them, say, I'm a son. You're a son. You're a son. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Let me, let me go real quickly and I'll, I'll get into this. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem us for those who were under the law. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the, the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons because you are because you are sons. God has sent forth his spirit and his son and we into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave. Or this word can be interchanged, servant. Some versions have servant. I don't know if, you're, if you've turned there and you look at it and your version says servant, but it says you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. Not a servant. The servant's not the heir, but the son is the heir. The son is the heir. The son is the heir. Say, I'm an heir. (laughs) I'm an heir. Not because you're a servant. Now, sons do serve because he'd be a lazy son if he didn't serve. Come on. He'd be lazy. So the word slave or servant, literally the Greek word is doulos. Doulos. And it literally means a slave. Involuntary or voluntary. It means um, frequently. It also means this. It says, therefore, in a qualified sense, the subject or subservancy. A slave, a servant. I want us to get to the place where we, if I serve out of obligation then I won't serve very long. Do you know that there's pastors leaving the ministry at an alarming rate? I believe that part of the reason is because they don't know who they are. And they're serving Christ because that's what they want to do. That's what they're called to do. That's what we're called to do is to serve Him. And they serve him out of obligation instead of serving him through inheritance. So we move from a sinner to salvation, servant to a son. So I don't serve him out of obligation any longer. I serve him because it's in my DNA. And I love my father. And when I love my father, I want to serve my father. Mr. Jerry Brace, I love you and want to serve you out of love. Not because I have to. So anything he needs, if I got a tool in my garage and he needs it, he can get it. What about my car? It's yours. What about my house? You need it? Got it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we've, we've, we've saw ourselves here. Or maybe we're stuck here on chair number two and we want to move into salvation. Then we move from salvation into sonship. Becoming that person that is the son of God. I don't know what you're dealing with, but we're all dealing with stuff. 
And if you're in this center chair, get out of that center chair. It's in trouble. You in trouble? And move in here for Christ. And even if we're here, let's get in here. Let's get in here. Let's get in here. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm, maybe we're stuck. Maybe because you didn't know you have the right to be here. Now, why am I seated here? Because Jesus is seated there. And if we're seated with him in heavenly places, how are we seated with him? If Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, there's Father God, and Jesus is sitting at his right hand, we don't know who's on the left hand, but we're seated with Jesus. Are we seated next to him? Are we seated in front of him? Are we seated behind him? You know what I'm getting at? I don't have the answer to that question today. You can figure that out on your own. I don't know. But I do know this. I'm seated with him. And because I'm seated with him, I am made a son. Now I want to begin to mature into that sonship. I want to be able to mature into it. Philemon, in the, in the Bible, there's a chapter, a book. In the Bible, it's only a page or two. Philemon, is that what you call it? Philemon, 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 Philemon. I don't know. What's the proper Hebrew word for that? Do you know, Jackie? <laughs> but what it was is Paul was saying, look, this guy was this man's servant. But he was his slave. He was his servant. And Paul says, look, man, he's come to Christ. He's come to Christ, and I know he's your servant. And in fact, being a servant, he stole from the man. And Paul was saying, look, I know that he's stolen from you. But why don't you put it on my account? Because what Jesus has done is so much greater than anything they could be. And he's saying, look, I want you to receive him as a son, a brother, a brother in Christ. I want you to receive him as that. I want you to receive him as that. And anything that he owes you, put it on my account. And he was probably really going, because you owe me. Because I'm the one that spoke the word to you, and I'm the one that led you to the Lord, and I'm the one that introduced you to Christ. And you owe me, and because you owe me, I want you to put it on my account because I'm going to put it on with Jesus. Get out of the sinner's chair, and let's get into the things of God today. If we're here and we're saved, that's great. I think it's wonderful. But we got to live tomorrow. If heaven was my goal, then just baptize me today. Hold me under the water and let me go. I want to go. And I know the older I get, the more I kind of probably long to go. But I I don't want to rush my time. I'm figuring, you know, 50, 60 more years. I want to see you grow up. I want to see you get married. I want to see you have kids. I want to see you live a life and what God's plan and purpose and destiny is for you. I want to see that. So if we're here and we're saying, is this all there is? Because how many of you know we've gotten into that chair and we've said, is this it? Can we be honest? We want much more. We've got to step into the much more. We've got to come into that place, but there's more. There's more. Let's get into that place of more. I want to get into that place of abundance. I want to get into that place of peace. I want to get into that place of love. I want to get into that place of sonship to where I can say, Hey, 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 you ought to know who my daddy is. You ought to know who my daddy is. It's sonship. Well, you're just a sinner saved by grace. That was an event. 
Look it up. And from that event, I moved into what? Because it says, therefore, anyone in Christ is a what? New creation in Christ Jesus. So how can I be the head and not the tail because I'm a son? How can I be blessed going in and blessed going out because I'm a... Well, it may not look like it that way, Pastor. You don't understand. I'm, I'm still struggling with some stuff. No, no, I do understand. And I'm going to tell you this. Jesus understands. And the Father understands. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you walk through some things. Let's stand up this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a son. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm a son. Now, you can only say that if you're born again, truly born again by the things of God. Just lift your hands up. I want to declare a blessing over you, a blessing of sonship. Father, we, I thank you that we are not going to have an identity crisis in Living Word Fellowship. That we are sons, heirs, joint heirs. That's who you are. That's who you are. When I speak to you, you're a man of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. We're going to call you men of God. We're going to call you women of God. Well, you pastor, you don't know. I messed up. You're still a man of God. You're still a woman of God. And I declare plan and purpose and destiny to come forth in you. I declare that you're going to see, Father. I declare that you're going to go look again at who you are. I declare that you're going to see yourself the way the Father sees you. You're going to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. You're going to see yourself the way God sees you and not how others see you. If others see you as a son, powerful, reigning and conquering and holy and righteous, then that's great. But you're going to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. God sees you that way. So I declare a blessing over your life today that you are a son of God in the house of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give him.